Welcome to What She Said. It's just me, Kate Wheeler, here tonight. Christine is off this weekend, but we have a fabulous show lined up for you. Housing is a topic that seems to weave its way into every conversation lately. A recent report found the average house price in Toronto was more than $900,000. Are first-time homebuyers getting priced out of the market? We're getting advice from Meridian Credit Union's Dillis Cruz. Another scandal in the Toronto Mayor's office. Uh, don't worry, this time it's only happening in Kate Hilton's new novel, Just Like Family. It's about juggling the demands of three husbands and the power dynamics at work when a brilliant woman supports a charismatic man. We'll talk to Kate about where she got the inspiration for the book and much more. Musicologist Eric Alper always brings us the fun stories behind the songs we've grown to love. And tonight he's talking about bands who've stuck it out since day one, from the oldest to the youngest. Can you believe U2 is still on tour? Well, yes, I can. Now, our skin really takes a toll during the wintertime, and with summer around the corner... We're talking to the Canadian Health Food Association's Michelle W. Book about how we can repair our winter-weary skin and hair from the inside and the outside. Food media specialist Charmaine Broughton is here to tell us about the benefits of blending mushroom and beef. And of course, she's bringing in some yummy recipes for us to try. Tonight in our live studio sessions, we're joined by country artist Jade Maya, who we featured on the show before. She is back with some exciting news and she wanted to share it with us first. We also have a great giveaway to tell you about. It has been 75 years since the release of Bambi. And on June 6th, it's joining the Walt Disney Signature collection on digital, HD, Blu-ray, and on demand. We have two copies to give away, so head on over to whatshesaidtalk.com to enter. And don't forget to check out our website for all the latest blogs and videos. And our friends at Boomer Nutrition are giving What She Said listeners 25% off their energy protein powder. You can go to myboomernutrition.com and hit the Jewel logo on the Where to Buy page. So get ready. What she said will start right after the break. Well, there's no doubt that one of the biggest worries for many people, especially young people starting out, has to do with buying their first home, if they even can. Joining us today is a woman who's going to answer a lot of questions for us, the Vice President of Community Banking for Meridian, Dillis DeCruz. Welcome to What She Said. Thanks so much. Okay, so there has been so much media coverage and discussions about housing affordability. A recent report found the average house price in Toronto is now more than $900,000. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Good word. So, I mean, are first-time home buyers just getting priced out of the market? Yeah, so I know I was looking at, uh, you know, that, that number's always changing and, um, you know, how, how do you get in? And so, uh, there, I guess there are creative ways for first time house, uh, home buyers to get in. Uh, firstly, Toronto is highly expensive. As we all know, the inventory is really low, so it's jacking mm-hmm. the prices up. So people are moving to the outskirts. So, uh, you know, you, you can get, uh, a slightly lower priced house as you move a little bit out of the GTA. But, you know, we know that Hamilton, Burlington, uh, up to Aurelia, Barrie, everybody's moving out so the prices are going up so how do first-time home buyers get in um you know, it's a tough question, but I think that there are becoming more, there's more creative alternatives for people to start considering, uh, to get in there. So one of the things, um, 
we just recently launched a mortgage uh, called Friends and Family Mortgage. So, um, you know, just enabling people to go into joint ownership is one thing for first-time home buyers uh, to consider. It's not right for everybody, and you have to work around that. Um, there's kind of some really creative things going on. We also saw, I was reading recently about a speed dating type uh, mortgage service where, or, or actually a home ownership service where you go in there and it matches uh, prospective buyers together to try and buy a house. Um, I'm not necessarily advocating that. I think that would be <laughs> that would be a little bit uh, tricky if you didn't know the uh, the person. But um, you know, I think it's about uh, creativity. It's also about being realistic about what you can afford. Now, Dillis, I've never heard of a friends and family mortgage. Um, this sounds really creative. So if you had a child that couldn't qualify on their written salary, right, mm-hmm. you could then as a parent, uh, would you have to go on title or could you just be be on title for the mortgage? Yeah, um, well, you you can't you could co-sign as a parent, exactly, right? So that that's one alternative that's always existed, but you can actually uh, go on title um, for the mortgage if you want to, and then you have a piece of equity as well into that mortgage. Um, now, with a child, do you need to do that? And a lot of parents are also gifting down payments. So for first home buyers, going back to your question, Kate, is is that mm-hmm. you know there are creative ways. There's friends and family. There's a lot of parents that are gifting um, that that first, uh, you know, that down payment, yeah. which is quite high. And then the friends and family is it gives you an opportunity to either go in with friends or family and you both share a stake in the equity. Now, with that, you would we also you would need a lawyer to really draft up your agreement. Yes. Because what if one person wants to get out or things aren't working, somebody defaults mm, yeah. on the mortgage? Um, there are things that you want to consider, but but the option is there, I think, just to open the doors to allow people to, to be able to get into the market. I think it sounds like a great idea if we were talking about if your parents were gifting it or as mm-hmm. a parent you were gifting it but if you're also on the title then that really helps i mean that's, i think it's a great idea because you sort of feel a little bit more financial security as a parent if you're leaving the money but you're on the mortgage is also in your name because up to yeah. what four people can be on that that's mortgage? right that's yeah. right and and you know i mean you could even think about you know you'd be on title for um you know a certain period of time and then you could let you know let the reins go and and then maybe sell out your portion and then they can eventually own it so there's all different mm-hmm. ways um to to kind of help them get in there because it is tough right now to to get in with the down payment you need a minimum 10 percent uh, you can get in with five percent, but a house over five hundred thousand, then between that five hundred and a million, you need ten percent. So it works out to about a seven and a half percent down payment. Now there are some very attractive and low mortgage rates available. Are you seeing a lot of your members taking advantage of these rates? Yeah, so you know it's quite interesting because we recently, uh, until end of June, we have an eighteen month offer at at one point nine nine. Wow, which is ridiculously low, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great rate. But um, interestingly enough, uh, most people who actually come in and sit down with our advisors will then just go to a five year. And right now, we're offering five year at two point five nine um, because you have the security to know at two point five nine. These are the rates that are. I mean, we've never seen such low rates, and so at least knowing that you've got a fixed rate, a fixed cost, a monthly cost on your mortgage for five years um, puts you peace of mind. So I find that people are still, and, and, and personally I think it's, it's a good thing um, going longer term because of the rates being so low. What's the most common mistake first-time buyers make? 
Yeah, I think they get swept up in, you know, in the house and not doing their due diligence beforehand financially. So what by that, I mean, um, it's really important to go in and see an advisor before you start the job search so that you know what you can comfortably afford and also get pre-approved. Um, you don't want to go in a situation, especially with the bidding wars that are going on in Toronto and all over, mm. uh, you Sometimes you can't – it's conditional on financing um, or sorry, you, sometimes they, they just want an offer without it being conditional on financing and you don't want to be in that situation. You want to know that you can afford and you've been pre-approved. So I would say um, you know, go in before you start the job search and you get all excited and, and caught up in the frenzy um, and get pre-approved so that you know what you can comfortably afford. And don't over leverage yourself. And I think an advisor will help you with that because you don't want to be house poor and not be able to do anything else because you have a life to live and you also have to service that house. So there there are expenses that come along with that. And speaking of servicing the house, I've heard of a lot of people lately that have like ignored the home inspection and I think they're crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's something you really should do. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, it's getting swept up with the frenzy. It's getting swept up with the bidding wars. And you really need to go with a level head and say, you know what, you know, to your point, um, you don't want any big surprises once you've bought that house and it's firm. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got major problems or mold or, or, you know, roofing Mm -hmm. issues. And you have to now spend, uh, you know, a lot more money that you didn't budget for. Will, I think a lot of people too, first time they see this house, they love the house, they fall in love with the house and the idea of, and they're not even sure how much of the house or the idea of the house. And then the bidding war comes. And then do you, you, you must hear stories because I have of people who've then gotten into the thing, you know, of being competitive. No, I want it and yeah. go up and up. Yeah. And then get stuck. Yeah. And and again, this is why I say go and see your advisor before you start that process because uh, you need to be really, really, really clear on what you can afford and what the bank's going to approve you for. And I think that would reign in the excitement. If you know that you cannot get any more. You won't get a penny more than X. You know, then you're not going to be able to get wrapped in that, uh, in that whole excitement and that frenzy. Is there a cooling off period for, for buying a house if you've signed that and – You've signed the paperwork and – You know what? I don't know. There is a lot of I'm thinking five, five days. Five but days, I, something like that. I yeah, think but is. I'm not sure Yeah, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. What are the tax breaks for first-time buyers? Yeah, so I think uh, – well, one good opportunity is to use your uh, RSP, the Home Buyer's Purchase Plan. So um, basically you can take out $25,000 out of your RSP. And uh, use it for – and th- this really helps for your down payment. And then you have 25 years to pay back that uh, – is it 25 or is it 15 years? Anyway, you have time to pay it back um, so that you don't take pay a, a pe- penalty to take that money out. Normally, if you take your RSP money out, mm-hmm. you, ha- you have to pay a penalty on it. So that is something I highly advise first-time homebuyers to do is to take out uh, – use the homebuyer's plan to take out money out of your RSP and use it for your down payment. Mm-hmm. And it's 15 years. Sorry, I was going between 25 and 15. It's 15 years to pay back that RSP money that you take out. Oh, that's great. And just for anyone who doesn't know very quickly, the difference between a variable mortgage rate and fixed – yeah, so a fixed mortgage rate is uh, you lock into a term and you know exactly what your rate is. So right now our five-year term, for example, yeah. is 2.59. That is your rate for five years. Right. If you go into variable, it is based off of prime. So right now if you went and a variable rate was uh, – prime is at 2.7 and there's a variable on it's either plus or minus. Uh, so let's say it's uh, plus 0.5. So you're paying
saying 3.2%, it will fluctuate with prime. If prime moves, so will your rate. Your payment will stay the same, but less will go to principal. So there's more fluctuation um, with going with a variable rate. And so if you need peace of mind and you want to know what your uh, payment is going to be, what your rate is, Definitely go with fixed, but right now with rates low, if you have that ability and you're comfortable having that fluctuation in uh, in your – again, your payment won't fluctuate, but the amount applied to principal will fluctuate against prime. Is it possible to lock it in if you've got a variable rate at, at any yes, time? Yes, you can as long okay. as it's open. Well, thank you so much again for joining us, Dillis. Thanks so much. Appreciate Where can it. people connect with you and some of the invaluable help and advice that Meridian can offer? So I would highly suggest go onto our website, uh, www.meridiancu.ca, and uh, locate a branch closest to you to go talk to an advisor. And we also have uh, mortgage calculators on there. So if you want to start running some numbers to see what you can comfortably, the ballpark, what you can afford, uh, you can go in there and use those calculators. Thank you. This is what she said. Stay with us. No time left for you. On my way to better things. I found myself somewhere. Well, we talk a lot these days about work life balance and prioritizing our lives. And now we have a novel just out set in Toronto all about that. Kate Hilton is the author, and welcome to What She Said. Thanks so much, Kate. It's great to be here. Now, your book's called Just Like Family, and the setting will sound very familiar to our listeners. Set the stage for us. So the book is set primarily at Toronto City Hall, which is the present-day work context of Avery Graham, who's the heroine of the book. It's also set in past scenes in New York City and in some past scenes in Ontario cottage country. So the pa- the present day work scenes, though, which I think are in some ways the most interesting part of the book, um, are set in City Hall. Uh, Avery Graham is the chief of staff to a charismatic Toronto City mayor, and uh, <laughs> chaos and humor ensues. <laughs> yes, uh, I th- chaos. How much chaos? <laughs> well, I think people who live in Toronto can easily imagine how much chaos can spill out of City Hall. Um, in this case, uh, they are in the middle of a huge waterfront redevelopment, and there are, of course, many stakeholders involved in that project and lots of people with different ideas about how it should go forward. And in the meantime, of course, political crises do come and go at City Hall, and so there, there are uh, some personal issues that find their way into work and work issues that find their way into home, and that's sort of the crux of the book. So is this, would you say um – the crux of the story is behind every great man is a great woman kind of thing? I think that's one takeaway on it. I was actually, um, in a more general way, interested in exploring the idea of relationships at work and in particular uh, work marriages, quote-unquote work marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think traditionally we think of almost a traditional work marriage, which is uh, a woman behind a strong man. And certainly I think that's a, um, a pattern that goes back a long, long way to male executives with female executive assistants supporting them. And even I think funny old stories about real wives and work wives managing a husband's life in the <laughs> office. Um, but I think a more modern take which I'm exploring in this book, is a female executive, often a more junior executive, someone who's sometimes been mentored and hired and brought up by a male executive, and how that power dynamic kind of works itself out over a long work relationship. And did you reach a conclusion? Well, the fictional conclusion here is that, you know, we all have to grow up and we all have to find our own uh, our own way of defining ourselves not in relation to a man in the office, uh, as in life. 
But um, but I think those relationships play out in a lot of different ways in the workplace. Um, and I think the takeaway for uh, all of us in modern uh, workplaces is to try to think about how to keep work in its proper place in relation to our personal lives. So how do you, how do you decide where to place your loyalty then? I mean, it, it is tricky. I mean, who wins when personal and professional loyalties conflict? I think it's a great question and I think that the trite answer, of course, is that everyone has to resolve that in his or her own way. But I think the reality is that there is a serious cost to putting work above all else and mm-hmm. – uh, you know, the people in your personal life um, are going to be way less willing to tolerate that as perhaps they once were in a traditional family setup where the man went to work and the woman governed the homestead. And if he came home and had a scotch and went to the basement, well, that's just because dad was tired at the end of the day. I mean, those days are gone. And so I think we all of us, uh, as women have more senior roles in particular, need to think about um, how do we preserve and protect a place for our friends and our families and even our own non-work selves uh, in that context. Well, in fact, uh, Avery in this novel is juggling three husbands. She is. She is. And that's <laughs> her little woman. spicy, and, uh, and, a little uh, spicy comes uh, from that. Well, yes. because, it, and, and it's very reflective of the modern world. It is. So she has a starter marriage in her history. She was married uh, young and probably ill-advisedly in her 20s. Uh, And that marriage failure looms large in her present-day decision-making. She has a long-term partner uh, whom she's not married but who would like to change that and has proposed to her at the beginning of the book. Uh, And then, of course, she has this um, long-standing work marriage. And Uh, each of these relationships cast a long shadow over all the other relationships. And so it makes it very difficult for her to make what should, for many people, be an easy call. I've been with someone 14 years. He wants to get married. Okay. Not an easy decision in her case. Do you think that men who may be in the same position just don't feel the same pressure? I would have said that that was true, and I think in many cases that is still true, um, particularly in the context where you have children involved. And so I, so anecdotally, and I would say also I think there are lots of studies to support my anecdotal uh, position on this, female uh, workers with children at home feel that pressure very intensely and in ways that I think men – uh, seem to find it easier to keep home at home and carry on with their day and not worry too much about the dentist appointment and the call from school and so on. They can compartmentalize very easily. They right? seem to be much better at that yeah. than women. But in this book, um, Avery doesn't have children, and that was a deliberate choice because I was very interested in uh, how women cope with those pressures without the very important and overwhelming factor of maternal guilt, which I think gets in the way a lot of these conversations. And with that off the table, I think um, certainly in Avery's case, and she's fictional, but she represents uh, lots of people, um, the the pull into work is incredibly powerful for her too. And the, the difficulty in setting boundaries is for her a real challenge in much the way it would be uh, for a man in the same situation. I'm kind of fascinated. I mean, you have an English degree from McGill, a law degree from the University of Toronto. You've worked in, in law, higher education, public relations, and major gift fundraising. How did you get from all that to writing the book? This is your second book with a third on the way. It, it's true. Well, I suppose my parents would say I've had a lot of difficulty deciding on a career. <laughs> <laughs> so that 
that's one that's one uh, analysis that's probably legitimate. But um, you know, I think the thread has always been writing. So I've always worked in jobs where uh, being a being a good writer was an absolutely essential part of the toolkit. And I have sort of a relentless curiosity. I mean, I, I guess I get bored easily. So I've I've found lots of uh, paths along the way that um, have allowed me to really pursue an interest in communications and writing. And uh, you know, in the early days, I've always wanted to write a book, and that was kind of my midlife passion project, which has turned out very nicely. So I'm happy for that. It's much more fun than running a marathon, which lots of my friends did. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I had always wanted to write a book, but in, in my twenties, it really did seem like quite um, an irresponsible path to go down. And so, law school, as so many of us did at that time with liberal arts degrees, law school seemed like the responsible choice. And so, I did that, and it took me in lots of interesting directions, but it ultimately wasn't what I wanted to do. And so, um, I started working at the university in in legal education, and that took me to lots of other places inside the university, like fundraising, for example. Now, do both books focus on women's issues? Yes, they do. The first one, which was called The Hole in the Middle, um, much more directly so because that book was really a book about the challenge of work-life balance and having right. and having kids and being a working mom. Um, this book, I actually think, has much broader appeal because, I, I to my mind, these are, are not especially gendered problems. Mm-hmm. That is to say the problem of how we – think about the place work should occupy in our life and, and the issues of, of where we think our loyalty is best placed. Um, the protagonist is a woman, certainly, and has, you know, and there are lots of, you know, tart feminist observations, let's say, over the course of the book. But I do think this book, um, particularly in light of the political context, will appeal to male readers just as much. So any hints about the third? The third is a divorce comedy called Ooh. Better Luck Next Time. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> um, but it's not about me. <laughs> Good. Now, just like family. That's what she said. That's, that's what I always say. So Just Like Family is the name of this uh, witty and insightful novel about juggling the demands of three husbands. Um, and you are going to give our followers uh, two two copies of the book yes. that are available. That's so nice of you. Um, if you are interested, just all the details will be up on our website. That is what she said. Talk. Dot com. So um, that yeah, that's great, and and the book is available everywhere. everywhere. Books are sold. Well, Kate Hilton, thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This is what she said. Stay with us. It's a beautiful day. No breaks, no lineup changes, and no major hiatuses. Joining us now is musicologist Eric Alper, who is brought to you today by Roar Records to talk bands who have been at it since day one. You know what? When you just talked about that, about having no breaks and the same stuff, this is this is your show. Really, <laughs> this is this is we're just talking about you, but actually today we're talking about five bands that have been at it for a very long time, and that was you too, who was formed. Back in 1978, and within the first four years of existence, they signed to Island Records with their very first album called Boy back in 1980. 13 studio albums later, 150 million albums sold. They are certainly one of the best-selling bands in music of all time, and they are currently on tour promoting their Joshua Tree album. And a new album is expected in 2018. Wow. But I'm a
was formed 32 years ago when they met while attending a private school for boys, forming the band that was originally called on a Friday, referring to the band's rehearsal day in the school's music room. After signing a record deal back in 1991, the band changed their name, taking the word Radiohead from the title of the song by the Talking Heads called Radiohead. Get some Canadian content in here. That was Sloan, who formed back in 1991. And the band's name comes from the nickname of one of their friends who was originally call, called Slow One by the French speaking <laughs> boss with an accent. So Slow One became Sloan. And when they released their first EP back in 1992, the guy who had the nickname appeared on the cover of the album after an agreement with the band. With a greatest hits album, a live album, two EPs, and 11 full-length albums, they released more than 30 singles to date, making them one of Canada's best-loved bands. The world is the world is love and life are deep. Maybe as the skies are white. Okay, Rush. I gotta tell you, my, I gotta tell you my Rush story it's quickly. It's time for the it's story. Time for the, it's time for the story. Okay, so Rush was playing in Vegas, yeah. and my husband and I were walking around. And I saw, so I phoned Alex Lifeson because we we are you know acquaintances. As one does. As one does. And he said, "Come to the show." I said, yeah. "I've never been to a Rush show before, right. ever." Right. And so he said, "Come to the show. We'll have dinner after." So um, we'll go backstage. So I go out there and, and, and we have, you know, the passes and everything. And all these, um, there's a, a group of doctors, surgeons that have been following the band all summer as part of, as part of their um, uh, a bachelor party thing that was going right. on. And they're going around. I'm looking at these guys, right? Go backstage, manage to sit on the edge of the chair and uh, Daniel Richler is sitting in a chair. I'm sitting on the arm. He stands up. The chair goes backwards i go base over apex fall flat on my ass on the floor getty reaches over picks me up and says well you're not the first girl that has happened to backstage at a rush concert <laughs> i'm like great <laughs> so totally embarrassed but loved the concert I, I don't think i would have ever have gone but now i'm I, I will go all the time it's amazing how many women have not gone to a rush show mm -hmm. but i know that those numbers increased in the last little bit since Forming the band, they've had one lineup change. John Rusty, who was originally their drummer, um, left over health reasons. He should have been with all those doctors. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and of course, Getty Lee, Alec Lifeson, and Neil Peart have been together for 40 years. And actually, I love this fact. They are the third band behind the Beatles and the Rolling Stones when it comes to the most consecutive gold or platinum studio albums by a rock band. They've got 24 gold albums, 14 platinum albums, and awards galore. And of course, speaking about bands with no breaks, no lineup <laughs> changes, no nothing, that's ZZ Top, or as we say here in Canada, ZZ Top. <laughs> 
Since forming in 1969, all three members have stayed the same. The group consists of Billy Gibbons, Dusty Hill, and Frank Beard. And which one doesn't have the long beard? Beard. Frank Beard, exactly. <laughs> That's the only way I can ever remember <laughs> it. <laughs> That's right. Two guys and Frank Beard, the only guy without a beard in the band. And that are... That, uh, that's five bands. That's who've, five bands. Uh, who've, who've lasted this long with no lineup changes, no breaks, and no major hiatuses. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Eric. We will chat with you uh, next Sunday. On the Record is brought to you by Raw Records. Download the new single, Rise, by Elise Saunders on iTunes and Spotify right now. Go ahead. Go. Do it. But why should I try to resist when, baby, I know so well? I've got you under my skin. Many of us are guilty of not being the best to our bodies during the winter, so here to help us rejuvenate our winter-weary skin, get us primed for the sunshine, is Michelle W. Book, the Canadian Health Food Association's in-house nutritionist. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. Um, so, what are, what are we... What have you got for us? What should we be doing right now? <laughs> well, you know, it's all about natural beauty. And I think a lot of times we think about what we're actually putting on our skin, mm-hmm. not necessarily what we're putting into our bodies, which really makes a big difference. So when we're thinking about, you know, how we get that beautiful skin, that glowing hair, we want to think about the foods and the supplements that we're actually eating, uh, okay. starting from the inside out. So omega-3s. Omega-3s we know are so important to give us that beautiful glowing skin. So thinking about eating more foods like salmon, avocados, olives nuts even are a really good idea or thinking about supplementation because when we supplement or or consume foods high in omega-3s we help to reduce inflammation which is going to help to promote skin healing as well as we get that again beautiful glowing skin that's not dry and flaky. Mm, absolutely. And, and the foods you just that I just returned from Croatia. And that that is the Mediterranean diet. Exactly. And a lot of us don't eat that Mediterranean diet. And so eating those foods are so important as well as fermented foods. A lot of us don't eat enough fermented foods. So we're talking about yogurt, but also kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi. These are foods that really help our skin. A lot of times when we think about fermented foods and probiotics, we think about digestive health, mm-hmm. not necessarily our skin. So we know that these foods uh, help to reduce inflammation as well so uh, um, which in turn helps to reduce any kind of redness in the skin as well as helps to retain moisture so really thinking about eating more of these foods or considering a probiotic supplement uh, might be a good idea Okay, so then let's let's go to the outside. What can we put on our skin and hair to help uh, moisturize? Yeah, a lot of times we think we have to have, you know, all these expensive cosmetics and creams and moisturizers, but there's a lot of great natural oils that you can actually find at your local CHFA member health food store that really help to give you that beautiful skin. So one of my personal favorites is rose hip seed oil. And we're hearing more about this oil. It actually has a unique mixture of omega-3 and sixes, which we know is important for the skin, as well as antioxidants. So um, it's great to use as a moisturizer in the morning or at night after you cleanse your face, mm-hmm. as well as argan oil. Argan oil is a personal favorite of mine. That seems to be everywhere. It's, it, I'm, it I'm using argan oil shampoo now. Oh, amazing. Yeah, lovely. It, it works so well in the hair or on the uh, on the face. As, as on the skin, uh, as an oil, it helps to reduce, um, studies have shown it actually helps to reduce uh pigmentation, dark pigmentation or, you know, sunspots that we might we might oh, get. Really? Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. It also works really well as an exfoliant. So on our website, the Canadian Health Food Association, chfa.ca, 
I made this great uh, DIY exfoliating lip scrub. It's so easy. It's just a, a tablespoon or a teaspoon rather, sorry, of uh, organic coconut sugar, about an eighth of a teaspoon of vanilla extract, and then, you know, half a dozen drops of argan oil. And you just mix it together and you actually exfoliate it on your lips and it works so, so well. Oh, it sounds like it would taste pretty good. <laughs> it does. It does. That's another, that is another benefit. Um, now, we, we hear uh, about the benefits of going au naturel, <laughs> like using a mineral-based concealer. Yeah. What are some beneficial ingredients we could be looking out for? You know, I think it's, when it comes to makeup, we want to look for, um, you know, mineral-based makeup. So you're talking mm-hmm. about mineral-based uh, concealers, but basically any kind of makeup we can find uh, as a mineral-based. And this makeup is... is um, made with minerals. It also contains antioxidants, botanical extracts. So thinking about, you know, what we're putting on um, onto our skin, the makeup that we're using, mineral-based makeup is a great option because it doesn't contain a lot of the different ingredients um, that, you know, we might find synthetic um, mm-hmm. synthetic chemicals. And so um, it's gentler on our skin, especially if you have sensitive skin. Now, you actually gave us, we were very grateful, a lovely sunscreen last year. Um, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you know... Do you know what that was? Because it, it was fabulous and, and it was all mineral-based, no chemicals. Yes, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the exact brand was, but mm. th- that's the key, that it was mineral-based. So it was it had uh, titanium dioxide and zinc mm-hmm. oxide as the main ingredients. And we know when we use a mineral-based uh, sunscreen, it actually helps to block out the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to look for a mineral-based uh, sunscreen. And that's especially important this time of year. A lot of us don't have enough or think about, um, you know, even when we're out just, you know, not necessarily going to the beach, but just out for the day, out and about, even walking a little bit, uh, having a sun protection on our skin is so important. Yes. And, it, and it's not zinc oxide like, you know, we, we see on noses, you know, surface. <laughs> but, but I yeah. grew up with that. It, it's, it, it, it disappeared. It, it does. And, mm-hmm. and that's it. Mineral-based sunscreen has really, really evolved over the years. And now it's actually able to absorb into the skin. So you don't get that, uh, that white nose or that, uh, you know, white chalky skin. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, fantastic. Uh, some, some nice natural tips to take us into the summer. Thank you very much for coming in, Michelle. Thanks for having me. This is what she said. Stay with us. Well, joining us now is food media specialist Charmaine Broughton, and she's brought to you this week by Mushrooms Canada. And we're going to be talking about the benefits of blending mushroom and beef, but I want to know more about what blend and extend is. Yes, blended extend. Well, it's one of my favorite um, cooking methods as a home cook. Okay. Uh, so what it is, is it's combining two local ingredients, Canadian mushrooms and Ontario beef. So just a neat little thing, like viewers say, oh, well, how do I know the mushrooms in my grocery store are Canadian? Well, here's a really neat fact. Um, all, uh, all fresh mushrooms that you purchase at grocery stores across Canada are grown right here in Canada. Uh, and actually 54% of those mushrooms are grown right here in Ontario, which is even better, right? So even in the middle of winter, if you go to a grocery store on a Wednesday afternoon and you see those fresh mushrooms like the portobello mushrooms and the white button and the cremini, all grown right here, chances are in Ontario. Uh, And then we're incorporating as well the Ontario beef. So what blend and extend is, is we're taking ideally for this method, the cremini or the white mushroom, and we're chopping it up. You can do it by hand or in a food processor. And then we're uh, 
combining it with and blending it with, excuse me, uh, Ontario ground beef. So what this does is, um, first and foremost, right off the bat, one of the reasons why I love this method as a mom is it uh, automatically puts an, uh, an extra serving of veggies on your plate, right? Which, you know, as moms, That's we all good. want our kids to eat more, to eat more vegetables. Uh, and it adds a volume to the dish, right? Because uh, we're, yeah. and uh, which also extends the portion, which ding, 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 helps you save some money as well. And as feeding two teenage boys, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, that's all I really want to do is save some money on my groceries. Is your fridge ever actually full? Oh, my, no. <laughs> it's why I'm at the grocery store, like, at least once a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. The kids come home and my daughters come home, their boyfriends come over, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm looking for I'm looking for the peppers to make myself a you know a frittata. It's like, no, we had those. It's like you had those. Like okay, everything's gone. So let's just make a running list uh-huh. and ev- go to the store every day. Yeah, because, exactly. Because that's it. But um, I mean, mushrooms. I love mushrooms, and mm-hmm. I, I use portobellos in place of burgers. Oh, absolutely, and a lot of people do. So that's a, a perfect substitute if you are vegetarian. Uh, like portobello mushrooms are absolutely beautiful, and they're um, meaty. Well, again, m- most people, a, mm-hmm. a lot of vegetarians do use them uh, in, in in place of a burger. But another neat thing about mushrooms is I think. Their nutritional um, uh, benefits are often overlooked. You know, we think of uh, dark leafy greens with with all of the uh, nutritional benefits, but uh, mushrooms are loaded with them. So, uh, first and foremost, one cup of mushrooms has only twenty five calories, which I really, really? like. Yeah. Okay. Assuming you don't cook them in a whole lot of butter. <laughs> well, of, of course, right? Uh, and they're they are actually the only vegetable in your produce section that have natural vitamin D. Right, so you can stay inside really? all summer. You can eat your mushrooms, and and, and you and you'll get uh, vitamin D. So uh, uh, that's a really neat fact. And they also have potassium, uh, and or excuse me, one um, uh, portobello mushroom has about the same amount of potassium as a medium uh, banana. banana. Oh wow! And what I think is really cool about that. So as I've mentioned before in the show, I'm a big runner. I love running, and I write for Running Room magazine. So one of the recipes that I featured this month in uh, Running Room is my um, cheddar stuffed saucy burger. But I use the blend and extend method, right? So I take my uh, cremini mushrooms and I pulse them up in my food processor. Again, you can uh, chop them by hand. And then I saute them with a little bit of balsamic and some herbs and so on. And then I combine them with my Ontario beef, uh, uh, form the patties, but then I stuff them with uh, the uh, Canadian cheddar, like um, uh, a hunk of cheddar, and and grill them off and then make a sauce. But... uh, you know, r- runners love potassium or they like potassium because it really helps with uh, with muscle crampness, right? So often oh, at the end of a race, okay. you know, the, the one of the main reasons why they have bananas there mm. is for the potassium. Potassium does many things for, for the human body, but for an athlete, it really helps with, with muscle crampness and, and soreness. So, you know, instead of a, a banana, I mean, potentially you could go home and, <laughs> and, and make the burger, but there was a little bit of method to my madness in, in the developing uh, of that recipe mm-hmm. so you're putting a, an actual whole hunk of cheddar like a little inside a, of a the block, in, inside, in, inside the of the burger right so you, you you just make your patty and then i like to chill it and then i cut a chunk of um uh, canadian cheddar you could use brie as well and just put it in the middle and then grill off the burger and i mean it's fabulous well anytime this summer burgers are actually one of my favorite i me, know no, i love a good burger yeah to me nothing screams summertime like a juicy burger off the grill uh, but Father's Day is coming up, Canada Day, so a great way to incorporate more veggies into your uh, grilling. Uh, and then with any leftovers, like if you have any leftover ground beef and 
uh, mushroom mixture, you know, you could use that in the Asian wraps that are really nice. The uh, the Asian uh, lettuce wraps? Yes, the oh. Asian lettuce wraps. So they're really delicious. So you saute the ground beef and the mushrooms with some hoisin sauce. And then you put it in your little uh, Boston uh, le- uh, lettuce cup. So it's a little bit of a lighter version. And then we're garnishing it with some uh, chopped, excuse me, some grated carrot and some cashews. So you've got the crunch and the plant protein. And it's just a nice lighter version, uh, I say, of, of a burger. So um, what's your all-time favorite recipe with this Blend and Extend? Well, there's a variety of uh, recipes on uh, blendandextend.ca, so I encourage all the listeners or viewers to... uh, visit the website, but my fi- uh, my my personal family favorites are, is the uh, cheeseburger pizza. So I just love this one. Hang on, I, a cheeseburger mm-hmm. pizza. You're you're combining all sorts of wonderful things. <laughs> yeah, cheeseburger pizza, uh, but it, it, it and it's loaded with veggies. It's pizza, and it tastes just like a cheeseburger, and it really does taste like a cheeseburger. Um, so you you can use um, a store bought pizza crust, uh, or you can uh, make your own. And you're going to combine some uh, barbecue sauce and pizza sauce and you spread it out. And then you do your uh, mushroom and uh, ground uh, Ontario beef mixture and you spread it on top. You garnish it with some cheese uh, and then some uh, other veggies and you bake it off. And then when it comes out of the oven, you're going to garnish it with uh, some chopped lettuce and then a sauce of mustard and mayonnaise. And you just drizzle on top and it's absolutely delicious. It has tons of flavor. Again, lots of servings of vegetables and then um, all the nutrients of the Ontario Ontario beef too, because Ontario beef, it's iron and protein. Um, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I do a, ta- a taco salad. Have they got, would that be something that would work with this? Because I'm thinking, like if you also add in beans and Oh, absolutely. So the uh, taco salad is a family favorite as well. So if, you know, if, if I do make the, uh, the cheeseburger pizza, any leftover beef and mushroom mixture, uh, we can use the following day in, well, in any of the recipes or in the uh, taco salad, which is my youngest son's favorite. Uh, and it's got uh, avocado and uh, sour cream. And again, uh, additional uh, I'm getting hungry, veggies. Shirley. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just a great way, you know, as a mom, uh, like I said, we're all looking to incorporate, you know what, e- even if you're not a mom, everybody these days is looking to incorporate more fruits and veggies into their diet. We're all looking to eat closer to home. And this is just a great way to do it. Uh, again, mushrooms are grown in Canada, which I don't think a lot of people uh, are, are aware of that. I, I, I We spent about 20 years living very close to a mushroom farm. Oh, okay. So yeah, mm-hmm. so I used to get to go down and just pick them from there. They used to let the neighbors come in because occasionally every now and again they would be re-fertilizing the area Uh and they would apologize for the odor. So their their payback was, no, you can have mushrooms from us anytime. It was a trade-off. Perfect. Uh It was great. And they, so I knew, but, but, Cremini mushrooms are something that seem to have popped up. They seem to have appeared over the last few years. Yeah, well, Cremini mushrooms are uh, basically just small uh, portobello mushrooms. Oh, is that what they are? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, all mushrooms, even white button, they're just rich and delicious. Uh, and again, um, they have like a, uh, a meaty texture. Uh, but you, you mentioned uh, uh, picking the mushrooms. So uh, last week I visited a mushroom fa- farm, White Crest Mushroom Farm out in the London area. It's a family-run uh, mushroom farm. And Another fact that I did not know about mushrooms, uh, all mushrooms that are picked in Canada are picked by hand, right? Mm-hmm. I, I did not know that, right? So they're, they're picked, well, they're, they're picked with, with like a little 
cutting Cutter, device. Like a scythe but, almost, yes. Uh, but it's all done by hand, which I just thought was uh, quite neat. And then some caring ex- um, instructions for a mushroom. You know, obviously you don't want to buy the fresh mushrooms three or four weeks before you no. consume them. You want to buy them uh, a day or two uh, ahead of time. And you certainly don't want to soak them in water. You just want to give them a nice little wipe uh, with a damp cloth. Um and then away you go. So they're very easy to uh, care for. And you can keep them in your refrigerator in a brown paper bag, which is ideal. Yeah, they always mm-hmm. give you a brown, the, the option for a brown paper right. bag there. Take this. The loose mushrooms in, in, yeah. in the produce section, yes. That's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yummy. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Yeah, so I encourage everyone to go to the website, blendedextend.ca, and uh, yeah, uh, plenty of recipes to uh, incorporate Ontario beef and mushrooms into your day-to-day eating. Mm-hmm. This is what she said. Stay with us. What you are listening to is Telescope by Canadian country musician Jade Maya. Welcome back to What She Said. Thank you so much for having me back. This is so much fun. I always love coming here. Well, that's great. And you have some exciting news to share with us about an international distribution deal you just signed. We've got to hear about this. Oh, gosh. Yes. It's so exciting that the fans get the chance to find my music in places like Target, Walmart, anywhere that sells a physical copy of an album. Once the album is out at the end of summer, it's going to be there and they can grab it on the spot. That's just, I'm just so grateful. I have this great manager that got me this deal and uh, I couldn't be more grateful. So, So does this mean a new album is on the way? Well, this is just this today is our first time back singing together. Me and my guitar player, Mike Croft, over here, because I've been in LA recording an album which is complete and will be released at the end of summer. That is amazing. Um, And and you're working with Justin Gray, who produced Mariah Carey, Just Stone, Amy Winehouse, and John Legend. Is that just to name a few? Yeah. (laughs) No, no, don't. Yeah, I already felt very uncomfortable being in the room with him. (laughs) I was like, did did Mariah Carey sit on this couch? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what's going to be different about uh, this album? Um, Heartbreak Country? Heartbreak Country was my first album. Okay, the so. next album, I can't tell you the name of it. Oh. Because the name of it is I also the name of my first single, which drops June 23rd, okay. uh, which I just found out about yesterday. So you're the first to hear it. June 23rd, my single comes out. Very exciting stuff. That is amazing. Yeah. So uh, I'm, and are you going to tour with the album? Are we going to see you performing live? Oh, yeah. Actually, we have an announcement at the end of the month that's going to say what tour I'm hopping on as an opening act for the fall to promote the album. So, so, that's, so there's like a, a slew of announcements. A slew of announcements. We've got five festival dates across Quebec in August. And uh, then September, October is when we're going to be hopping on a tour. And at the end of the Quebec tour, we'll be uh, releasing the album. So. That's incredible. Well, yeah. we, okay. Thank you very much for sharing all this news with us here <laughs> at What She Said. And now before Jade sings us out with Mike playing, be sure to follow us on social media at What She Said Talk. We will be back next Saturday at 10. But right now, here's Jade Maya with Mike Croft on guitar performing Lies of the Lonely. Well, this bed feels better With nobody in it 
Well, thank God I don't have nobody blowing up my phone. It's Friday night, and I'm gonna spend it how I want. Cause I've always been a whole lot happier on my own. Hold the last of the lonely. All the empty words of the solitary man I've been disguised You think they don't see Can't hide the lonely In your eyes I love being single And I love my freedom I love telling everybody that we're not together anymore And all of those love songs Well they can keep them to themselves Cause I've always been a whole lot happier on my own Hold the lies of the lonely All the empty words of the solitary man A thin disguise You think they don't see Can't hide the lonely In your eyes Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.